BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Happy holidays, everyone. Welcome into the Bulls Talk podcast. Mark Shanowski, Kendall Gill, and our good friend Kevin Anderson coming at you. And boy, we've enjoyed an early Christmas gift in terms of the resurgence of the Chicago Bulls. You know, guys, when they were 3-20, and 20, I was kind of wondering, what is going to happen that's going to put a spark into this season? We're thinking maybe it would be the return of Zach Levine, but all of a sudden, Nico to the rescue. Absolutely, Mark. And, and then you got to look at the way that uh, uh, Laurie Markkinen is playing with the at rest now that Nico is back with Bobby Portis, also with the uh, – Reemergence of Chris Dunn, the Chris Dunn yeah, that we saw pre-draft uh, uh, last uh, last couple of years when he was the fifth pick. Uh, a lot of things are coming about, and you know, I don't think this guy gets enough credit. The guy who I'm about to mention, David Nwaba. You know, notice that all of this started when he came back, and, and, right. and the reason why is because he has raised the energy of this whole team, and I think that they have fed off of it, and then take into account that. I think that every single player on this team has something to prove. And that's why they come out each and every night like they have been. You know, it's funny. Like, Nico's getting the credit, you know, because yeah. they're, they're now he's seven. And, some of the credit. Too. Yeah, <laughs> he, he is. I mean, he's the one who predicted 4-0 and it kind of went from yeah. there. Uh, obviously, they're 7-1 and one since Nico returned. And everybody's keying on Nico. But it's really everyone's elevating their game. You know, we do the, you know, the best friends. Nico and Bobby are playing really well during this stretch. Nawaba as well. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, during this eight-game stretch, they are playing out of their minds. They've caught a couple lucky breaks with a couple guys on opposing teams like Joel Embiid uh, not playing. Kyrie but they're still Kyrie. Yeah, absolutely. But they're still playing really good basketball during that stretch. And I, I, we're all just absolutely shocked by it. You know, whether it's the, the Nico Bulls are better than the TNT Bulls, better than 95-96 Bulls in terms of greatest yeah. Bulls teams, yeah. or, mm-hmm. you know, Bill Simmons having Nico as number three on his MVP watch <laughs> for the season. You know, they're just they're yeah. playing exciting basketball during the stretch, and you're seeing progression, and you're seeing wins. Yeah, and, and, and you know, listen, throughout this whole eight-game streak that they've gone on, when they play Cleveland Thursday night, that was the game I was most impressed with because you're playing against the Eastern Conference champion, the, the team that's projected to go into the finals, the team that now has, has built a team supposedly that can beat the Golden State Warriors, and they have the greatest player on the planet right now. You go in there and you almost beat them. And that lets me know that this streak is not a fluke, okay, because they could have easily laid down uh, the way that Cleveland came out uh, LeBron James with a with a couple of dunks and layups uh, to begin the game with, but the Bulls reeled the Cavs back in and made this game a competitive game throughout. I mean, I always thought the Bulls had a chance to win in that game. You know, what's really impressed me about Nico is not just the what he's doing on the court; his whole persona has changed. Yeah, it has. He's so much more confident than mm-hmm. what he was his first three years in the NBA. Yeah, I remember interviewing Nico, and you know, his his English got better every year, mm-hmm. and he's a well-spoken young guy and. I always felt like there was more there. 
There was more that, that he could bring forward. Mm -hmm. And whether it was the fact that he was intimidated by playing with guys like first Derrick Rose and Joakim Noah and then Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler and, and he was always taking a, a lesser role, I think for whatever reason he's come back this season, whether it was all the work he put in this summer in the weight room mm -hmm. or just a realization that now is my time, I think there's a possibility that he can sustain this. Maybe not the high player efficiency rating that we're seeing at this point, but I don't see any reason why Nico can't be a 16 to 18 point scorer in the league, grab six rebounds, and be a real threat from the three-point line. I think that he has the talent to play at a much higher level than what we saw in the first three years. You know, it's become a cliche about March Nico, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he, would, he would show up for a month and play really well. But you get the sense that, like the guys you mentioned, last year's team to be specific, that Nico was deferring to what Jimmy wanted, deferring to what Dwayne wanted, whether it was on the court or off the court, confidence, whatever it might be. And he took a completely different approach into this offseason. And I now get the sense that because of what happened with Bobby, it really hurt Nico in more than one way because yeah. I think he fully expected to be the starter won the starting job going into the season, and he felt like this was his time to shine and that the whole situation with Bobby set him back a month and a half. And, and now here he is playing the role that he feels like he should roll. He's, he's playing with the most confidence we've ever seen. He's playing the most aggressive we've ever seen. He's playing on both ends of the floor, actually playing pretty good defense, and he's also playing good post-offense which is a part of a game that we didn't see before. But that confidence almost borders on cockiness. You know, Kelly, yeah. you played for so long in the league. Does that, that swagger, does that help an athlete on the court? Absolutely. And, and you can tell that it's not only helping Nico, but it's spreading throughout uh, his teammates. I mean, we had Denzel Valentine after, after your Orlando game saying, I think we're one of the best teams in the <laughs> yeah, East, you know. Right. So it is spreading sort of a trickle-down theory. But the one thing that I'm impressed with Nico, and I, and I think that he, he watched – Jimmy Butler, uh, the way that Jimmy progressed. I think if you watch Derrick Rose, because if you look at his game now, he's not just settling for outside shots. He's taking the ball to the basket. If he doesn't get the layup, he's expecting to get foul, to go to the free throw line. Those are free points. When I, I thought Jimmy had reached the, the pinnacle of his game a couple years ago, but then he comes back, and before his third All-Star game, he goes to the Olympics and watches Carmelo and all those guys play and understands, now I have to get to the free throw line, okay? And he, he made a concerted effort last season to do that. And I think that Nico saw that, and now that's what he's doing as well. And that's why his game, to me, is, is, is starting to round out into the guy who we thought he was going to be when he was overseas. You need to talk about Chris Dunn as well. I mean, that's been a big factor in the Bulls' improvement of late. Uh, he got off to a slow start after having the finger dislocation in the preseason he was a little bit slow in rounding his game back into shape but even though he didn't score particularly well in the Cleveland game he had 14 assists and he's been a good floor general you know he's, he's gotten into the paint he's been drawing extra defenders fine opening teammates and in today's modern NBA I don't think any team can succeed without a quality point guard and to this point he's showing us that he has the ability to be that kind of player. And it's also the progression we're seeing from Dunn because what we saw from him in November, careless turnovers, just you know, just being reckless with the ball. He is he is greatly cut down mm -hmm. on those kind of turnovers. Now he has had a couple, uh, but they're not like the 
be just completely careless with the basketball turnovers that we, we saw right. in November. So he's progressing, and he's also a threat on both ends of the floor. We knew the guy we were getting from Minnesota was one of the best defending point guards in the league, especially at a young age. We knew he was a very strong defender, and we've seen that. But the offensive game has absolutely shocked me how well he's shooting and now that he's starting to run the offense. Yeah, and, and, and he's starting to develop that fear factor. I, I don't know if you guys saw him in the Cleveland game. He crosses guys over, mm-hmm. and he makes you look silly. And, and when guys see that on the highlights and, and on the film, they're like they're really apprehensive about playing defense on you. I mean, I think that guys like Michael Jordan had that, Kobe had that, Derrick Rose in his prime had that, Russell Westbrook has that right now where you really – and Chris Paul, uh, Steph Curry as well – you really don't want to guard them as well as, as, as hard as you, 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 you can because you're afraid you might get embarrassed. And, and I've, I've seen Chris Dunn do that now for consecutive games in a row where guys are really apprehensive to push up on him on the defensive end. You know, we talked about it in the, uh, in the green room watch of the game on uh, Thursday night. I would have liked to seen Dunn matched up, not necessarily for an entire quarter or an entire half, I would have liked to seen Dunn matched up defensively against LeBron for several possessions. I, I think that would be a good matchup at times, but as, as you smartly pointed out when we had that discussion, Kendall, is you don't want to get Dunn in foul trouble, and that's immediately what the Cavs' game plan probably would have been. But I think that would have been a good test for him. I would have liked to seen that matchup on a few possessions. We saw the one time when they switched Dunn onto LeBron late, and LeBron knocked down a baseline jumper. He's just, you know, Dunn's giving away four inches, and even though... He has long arms, and he's a pretty physical defender. No one's more physical than LeBron. Yeah, he's giving away four inches and about 50, 60 pounds, too, <laughs> you know, and which, which makes it Most hard. of that muscle. Yeah, and most of that muscle. But the thing is, I think that he can guard LeBron in instances, but not in an in a overall scheme of things because, one, he's going to get in foul trouble because he's an aggressive defender, and LeBron's an aggressive offensive player. So when, you, when the two meet, the, normally the defensive guy gets the foul calls on him. So I think you got to protect him as far as that concerned. But Bulldog, I, I totally agree with you. He has the ability to cause LeBron some problems, but you got to do it in spots. Yeah, the thing is, let's let's really look big, big picture here yeah. in the situation. LeBron, I don't think he's going to leave the East. I know everybody's making the LA yeah, I rumors. I just I don't see him leaving the East because he's got a clear path, essentially, to the Eastern Conference Finals nearly every year. And you know, certainly the the Celtics and the Bucks are up and coming. However, when you look big picture at this team. We fully expect the Bulls, if not one year, two years, to be back in the playoffs. They're going to have to go through LeBron at some point. And, you know, as Horace Grant said on the, on the show Thursday night, LeBron might play another 15 years. I don't think he's yeah, going to play that long. exaggerated yeah, a little yeah. bit. But uh, next five. Yeah. still going to play the next, next five. five. So yeah. They're going to really have to get past more years, yeah. So give him that test. Give, give those players that test and let Dunn. Take LeBron, just get used to it in a December regular season game. You know, you know, I think they're doing that test right now. You know, the way that Laurie Marketing is coming out, I'm not afraid of LeBron or the Cleveland Cavaliers. The way because if you notice, he plays very well against the Cavs. Then now Chris Dunn is, comes along and he plays well against the Cavs. He didn't play the previous game against well, uh, the previous game he played against the Cavs, but uh, Thursday night he did a really good job. And now you have Zach Levine coming on board too. So, you know, this team is is not afraid of them, which is. What I was most impressed with about this whole streak, you win seven in a row, you go into the best team in the Eastern Conference, home territory, and you play like you want to win the basketball game. They didn't, they didn't play to lose. They played to win. Now, to be fair about the Cavs, 
no Isaiah Thomas, J.R. Smith was out, and Derrick Rose still not really back, right? So in terms of the team we're going to see in April and May from the yeah, Cavs. The Bulls didn't have Zach Levine either. No. No, they didn't. Yeah. Is that even out? You know. Well, no, not necessarily. But, you know, the Bulls have a lot of room for improvement as well. I mean, they're start, starting to grow in terms of their confidence level. The ball movement's been good. I think the Fred Hoiberg offensive system really suits this particular group of players. I think the Bulls have a lot of room for growth. And, you know, in terms of the Cavaliers, they'll probably play Boston for the Eastern Conference Championship, and that'll be a heck of a series. But, you know, you're looking at the Cleveland at the top, and the Bulls are a, are a team on the rise, and they're just they're still growing right now. Yeah, and, and, and also, too, I, I really don't know how well this Derrick Rose, Isaiah Thomas thing is going to work out. Uh, we all know that LeBron James, he, he is the point guard for that team. How are they going to play off of them? We already saw. Uh, and Wade wants the ball. Yeah, with the Wade second wants unit. the ball with the second unit too. You know, so this is going to be a very difficult thing for for Ty Lue to to negotiate because somebody's going to be the odd man out. Maybe two guys are going to be the odd yeah. man out. The Wade is the X factor because we saw LeBron and Kyrie Irving coexist to a obviously you win a championship, successful uh, with that. But Wade coming off the bench. I, we know Isaiah Thomas, to be effective, has to have the ball. Right. So in order for how are you going to feed, how much of a backseat is Wade going to be willing to take to give Isaiah the shots Isaiah needs? I don't think Wade and IT are going to play together well at all because on the, you know, the 10 minutes of the game where LeBron is sitting, those two guys are going to be jumping off their seat going, all right, my turn to run the show. And if those guys are in there together, Wade is not going to be a spot-up shooter, and IT is not going to be at his most effective manner by playing as a spot-up shooter. Tyloo's going to have some issues, but at least they're overloaded with talent, and that's, that's a problem all coaches would love to have. Better than a lot of teams in the league. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. <laughs> Hi, guys. I'm Tara Lipinski. And I'm Johnny Weir. Guess what, Johnny? What? The Winter Olympics are right around the corner. And what does that mean? That means we get to see Sean White, Michaela Schifrin, and other top Team USA athletes conquer fresh snow and ice this February on NBC. So make sure you're ready. Sign up for NBC Sports and Olympics emails by texting POD to 66866. Or you can visit NBCOlympics.com slash newsletters to receive the latest athlete updates, giveaways, and more. Message and data rates may apply. Winter is here. Mark Shanowski, Kendall Gill, Kevin Anderson with you. This is the Bulls Talk podcast coming at you during the Christmas season. All right, Kendall, the question I think all Bulls fans are asking themselves, Mm -hmm. is this recent stretch a mirage or is it sustainable? Can they even get better over the course of the next, what, 50 games they have left? Uh, I think that it's for real. Uh, I wanted to wait until they played the Cleveland Cavaliers to see what response they would have uh i thought that if it wasn't if it, if, the, if the streak wasn't real they would have gotten blown out thursday night but they didn't they hung in there and when it seemed like the chips were down they still came back nico comes out down and hits that three-point shot uh laurie marketing knocks down key buckets so does denzel valentine so this is a team that they are walking the walk talking the talk and walking the walk right now and after the Cleveland game, I, I was like, hey, you know, this is, this is legitimate. This is, not, this is not fake, you know, because throughout these past eight games, they've beaten some legitimate playoff teams, some, some really good teams. And also, 
we got the Levine factor. He has not come back yet. And as I keep saying, you the Bulls are a team now that have, have found the formula for success to win. Also, they are a bunch of guys that have chips on their shoulder because they want to prove themselves. Uh, they have something to prove each and every night they step on the court. Bulldog, I know your, your good friend C. Red Fred believes. Yeah. Do you believe that the Bulls have found something here? Yes, but here's, here's my caveat to that. As a Bulls fan, I am so conflicted watching this team sure. right now. Because Most yeah. Bulls fans are. It, it really is because, yeah, you want to see progression, having a seven-game win streak, playing a, you know the Cavs really tough on the road. It is great to watch. More people interested in the game. Certainly the ratings reflect that, as we well know. And it's good to see because you need a spark. You need that that moment to go, all right, this team's got hope for the future, right? Yep. Uh, at the same time, the absolute worst thing this team can do is win 35 games and end up with the 10th pick in the draft. Yeah, that'd be awful. That That's is, the worst case scenario. That is the absolute – you don't want that at all because then you're – they. the whole reason they traded Jimmy is to pick a direction. Right, mm-hmm. they they knew it was going to lead to, and Pax made that very clear. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Made it very clear because you knew it was going to lead to one, two, three, God forbid, four or five years. Uh, you know, in a trust the process uh, rebuilding mode. But if you're in a situation in which essentially by not picking a direction, they 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 got three players who we know Levine is is going to play really well when he comes back. We absolutely know that. But what we're getting from Dunn, what we've gotten from marketing, what we've gotten from Nico, everybody's playing really better than we expected. This is a pretty good team right now. And I think Kendall's right. When, when Levine is healthy, which we're expecting him to play in that first half of January, it's going to take him a couple weeks. We know he's going to be on a minutes restriction when he plays. It'll probably be not until February that he's ramped up to 30-plus minutes a game. But once that happens, this is a scary team. Now, they're not well, going to I don't know about scary. A, a, put it this way, <laughs> a scary team for certain teams that are vying for playoff position to play. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, no team that is, when it comes March, right, or comes April, and a team's trying to get up into the five seed or get up into the playoffs, they don't want to play the Bulls. Yeah, because nobody liked playing Philly when Brett Brown was coaching because they played hard every night. Even yeah. though they weren't that good, right. they knew that they would battle them. They would rally in the second half when they're down by 20 points because they wouldn't just pull the plug on it. We saw in the Cleveland game, Bulls were down by 10. Cleveland won on a major run in the fourth quarter. And you're thinking, all right, well, good effort. You know, We'll just go quietly into the night. Yep. They came back, actually rallied to take a one-point lead. This is a team that is showing a lot of resiliency. Mm-hmm. I think the coaching staff's done a great job with them. And, and as Bulldog mentioned, they're going to be they're going to be tough to contend with late in the season because they're playing for their NBA futures. Pl- and that, that's the key, Mark. These guys are playing for their futures. Nico uh, has the the one year option that the Bulls uh, hold. He wants to he wants to them to exercise that option so that he can uh, get another what thirteen million dollars. Yeah, or maybe he doesn't. You know, at this point, the way Nico's yeah. playing, he may want the Bulls to decline that option. Then he can actually get that payday he was hoping to get last summer. Okay, well, well, either way, he either still way, has either play. way, yes, yeah. he still has the play. all the cards. Yeah, he, he still has to play great. Bobby Porter's is showing is it's like, hey, listen, I deserve to be in this league. Hey, I got suspended for eight games. A lot of that money I want to make back. So yeah. he's he's playing for his future as well. Zach Levine is wants to come back to show the city that listen. I am the the major piece of the face puzzle, of the franchise. The face yeah. of the franchise. Yes, it was worth trading Jimmy Butler for me and the and these other two guys. And also Chris Dunn still proving that Tom Thibodeau was wrong. And believe yeah. me, 
that's in the back of his mind. Sure. Every time he steps out on the court. He felt I'm, embarrassed last yeah, year. Yeah, he felt embarrassed because he was the fifth pick. And every time he steps out there on the court, I bl- believe me, he has Tom Thibodeau on the back of his mind because he expected fully to be the point guard for the Minnesota Timberwolves for many years to come. Really, outside of the three guys they got back in the Butler trade and Robin Lopez, everybody is playing for their NBA future. Yeah, absolutely. Team. Yeah, Nwaba is playing for his NBA future. Uh, Justin Jerry Holliday, Grant. Jerry and Grant, all those Denzel guys. Denzel Valentine. They all have to prove that Denzel, they yep. are legitimate NBA rotation players, if not more than that. You know, I've been spending a lot of time this year trying to scout some of the top college guys because it's going to be a very important part of the Bulls' future, who they're able to land in the June draft. And originally I was thinking all I have to worry about is the top three picks, which yeah. are pretty much a consensus of Marvin Bagley III, the power forward at Duke, DeAndre Ayton, the seven-foot center at Arizona, who I'm, I'm getting more and more impressed with every time yeah, I see him. I like him. And then the, uh, the overseas player, the kid from Slovenia, the 6'8 combo guard, Luka Doncic. Those guys are believed to be the consensus top three, but now you're thinking, hey, if the Bulls win 25, 28 games, they could drop in that 5 to 12 slot. No, no. And, and you'd hate to see that. So, you know, I've, I've been expanding my draft board, our latest draft tracker at NBCSportsChicago.com. I write about Trey Young, a young guy Ooh, from uh, the Oklahoma Sooners. Yeah. And I swear to God, you, you fans out there, you have to watch this guy. I don't know when you're going to be listening to the pod, but if you're listening to it on Friday... Friday at 6 o'clock on ESPN2, Oklahoma's hosting the Northwestern Wildcats, which would be an interesting game to watch anyway. But if you get a chance, take some time to watch this young kid. He is the spitting image of Steph Curry with the ball handling, the no-look passes, unlimited range, step-back threes. And granted, I don't want to compare a raw freshman to a two-time MVP, but when you watch his game, he looks like Steph Curry out there. He's the closest thing to it. And and listen, if you're LeVar Ball... That's the guy you're talking about. You're not talking about how he said Alonzo Alonzo was better than (laughs) Steph Curry. No, this guy is the closest thing to Steph Curry. But, Mark, what do you do if you're in position to draft a kid like that? If you're the Chicago Bulls and you have Chris Dunn playing the way that he's playing, you're you're in a big conundrum right now. You know, I think at this point they're still in rebuild mode, and you have to take the best player available to you at that point. You know, I think I mentioned the top three. After that, there's – a lot of guys that are in the mix. There's Muhammad Bamba, the center from Texas, who has project. a 7'9 wingspan. Yeah, he's project. A project, no question yeah. about it. you got Michael Porter Jr., conceivably could be the best player in the whole draft, could but he be. only played two minutes at Missouri right. before he went out with a, with a back issue, and he's going to have to pass all the medical tests before NBA scouts are going to you know, decide how high they want to pick him. A uh, point guard from Alabama who's really impressive, Colin oh, yeah. Sexton. I've he's seen him play good. a couple of yeah. times. He reminds me a lot of De'Aaron Fox. Mm-hmm. Lightning quick. He can finish at the rim. He's going to be drafted in the top ten, no question about it. And then you got Trey Young who fits in there. So there's a lot of guys, if the Bulls are picking you know, five, six, seven, they may have to think, even though we don't need a point guard, maybe a guy like Trey Young who could be the, uh, you know, like the old microwave, comes in and, and gives you 18 to 20 off the bench. He could be, but uh, that's a kid that had 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 22 assists the other night. Yeah, he did. And 26 points. So I don't know whether I can keep that on the bench, 26 and 26. Could you move Levine to small forward and play Dunn and Young together? You might be able to. You know, um, I think that Zach is, is, is big enough to play that position, but he'd have to put on a little bit more muscle in order to deal with the small forwards in, in the league. But – you know, hey, look, it'd be a good problem to have, Mark. You know, I'm hoping that we still are in the one to three range because I really like Aiden from Arizona. I, 
to me right now, he's my number one pick. Yeah, uh, I agree. I because agree. we already have Mari Laurie Marketing at power forward. That's the position that Batman And Portis played. and maybe Nico, Portis too. Portis and maybe Nico. <laughs> so you may not need a power forward right. at, this, at this point. And, and, you know, I know that the league is, has moved towards uh, point guards and, and scoring perimeter players, but you can never teach seven foot one with an attitude. Right, and that's what that kid has. And he's not—he's not as versatile as some some of the current young bigs that people are raving about, like Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns have more range than Aiton. But he's got the footwork in the post and the NBA body that mm-hmm. I, I think he can be a real serious yeah. low post threat. Uh, absolutely, and and he has a little range. He has 15 to 17 mm-hmm. foot range, and you know eventually he'll build that range and be able to step out to where Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns do now, but. The thing about him, what I like, Mark, is he's more NBA ready at this age, at 18, 19 years old, than Embiid was, than Carl Anthony Towns was. And if you guys out there get an opportunity to watch him, watch the way that he he plays like a big man. He Mm -hmm. doesn't play like a, a stretch five or anything. He plays like a big man. He moves people out of the way. He does all, he has great footwork. And he has a little bit of an attitude, a little bit of a nastiness to him, which you need as a big man. You know, a lot will change in the next six yeah. months before the draft. And yeah. But it certainly looks right now, a few days before Christmas, that there are three impact players right. in this draft. Then some guys with some question marks, whether it's health like Porter or size. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the we look at the draft right now, and a lot's going to change in that 4 to 12 range. Guys are going to move up. Guys right. are moved down, depending on how they play in the season, how they do at the Combine, certainly. Uh, but, Mark, I, I'm with you in terms of doesn't matter what position a guy no. is. If you've got a guy who is a Steph Curry clone, then you pick him and you find a way to get him in. And I've been impressed with the way Fred has coached this season, and I certainly expect him to be back next year. Find a way to get him in. And, you know, you talk about Levine playing the three. I think in today's league, the way we're trending with matchups and size – I've got no issue at all with Levine playing the three. I fully expect marketing to end up playing the five anyway. Well, remember the book on Donovan Mitchell coming into this past draft, a 6'3 shooting guard. They said he's too small to play shooting guard. He's going to have to convert to point in the yeah. NBA. Well, that's garbage now. Yeah. Now yeah. we just have players. You know, you have, you have wings and you have bigs, yep. and you figure it out. And Donovan Mitchell, I would say, might be the second-best player in this draft class. So, Absolutely. You know, he, he's been incredibly impressive. Uh, you know the way he can finish at the rim. He's got three-point shooting range, and scouts waited on him because he didn't fit the prototype of an NBA shooting guard. So I think when you when you look ahead to the 2018 draft, get the best player and f- and figure out a way to get him on the court. Don't don't try to peg him into a into a slot. You know, you know, I I totally agree with you on that. Uh, when I was drafted in 1990, uh, that's what happened with me. You know, uh, I was the fifth pick in the draft. And I actually didn't want – I was glad I was drafted by Charlotte eventually, but at the time I didn't want to go to Charlotte because they had my one, my friend there at, at my position, at the two-guard position, Rex Chapman, and they had Dale Curry. And they said, listen, we're just going to draft the best player out there after the, after the mm-hmm. fourth pick. And fortunately enough for me, I mean, they, they drafted me there and it worked out for me. But it can work out eventually because when I went there, I played point guard, Rex played – the two-guard position, and we were able to work it out for a season or two. But eventually, you have to get back to your natural position. That, yeah. that, that's, that's when you run into the problem. But I think it's easier in today's 
league. Yeah, the guys getting drafted yeah. in 2018 than it was when you got drafted. I think so right. too. Yeah. yeah. Coaches are more flexible. They're more willing to take a look at different options. Mm-hmm. Hey, one more topic before we let everyone get off to their Christmas presents and eggnog and maybe a Shirley Temple for Kendall. Yeah, no, I drink eggnog too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> As a matter of fact, uh, I killed a whole carton of it uh, last night. Wow. <laughs> that, that could cause some stomach issues, but that's yeah. a whole different uh, yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bulldog and I talked about this earlier, KG. You know, we're, we're all good friends with Sam Smith, who writes for Bulls.com, right. and he had a really interesting post the other day. Uh, talking about the fact that maybe the Bulls' rebuild is a little bit ahead of schedule, that you know everyone talks about identifying a young core, mm-hmm. and they already may have three pieces in place, three starting pieces in place with the players they acquired in the Jimmy Butler trade, Dunn, Levine, and Markinen. And Sam's theory was if they get a top three pick, which as we know could be problematic now, and they hit in free agency, they can be back to being a playoff team next year. So maybe they should keep Nico. His premise was maybe they should keep Nico mm-hmm. because he's a productive player playing at a high level. Why trade him for a late first-round pick that may turn out to be nobody? Do you think that I, maybe I the Bulls are way ahead of where they thought they'd be at this point? I think that they are, uh, particularly how Dunn has developed, how Nico has come back, how Bobby Portis has played, uh, the the ability of marketing to, to put points on the board and his advancement as a rookie. Uh, you know, I didn't think that he was going to be this advanced. And you got three those players that you, you talked about, Dunn, Markkinen, and Levine. These are all young players, but these are all young players that can play, and they can play right now. It's, like no, it's not like a real development phase that you have to go through with them. So that's why I see that I agree with Sam as far as seeing them as ahead of the curve in the rebuild. These are the new real three alphas. On this team, you know, <laughs> yeah, the right. new the real three alphas, the, the right. real three alphas, right? And they are all. Levine is going to get his max contract extension this summer. Mm-hmm. He, he's going to get it, and they now will have those three young players under right. team control for a, a long time. And Sam's absolutely right. Now, regarding Nico, here's the thing where it gets tricky. They get to that trade deadline. If they're winning too many games, players don't tank. Organizations do. Right, and we know whether it's a phantom it's a injury. Off the old Jerry Krause. Yeah, yeah. 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 yes, it uh, is very, very nicely done. There, Thank Bulldog. you. And as we know, as Kendall has experienced with uh, himself and teammates in his career, that sometimes when a player gets hurt, he's ready to go. A team goes, hey, you know what? We're going to hold you out. We're not yeah. bringing you back because it's going to hurt us in our draft position. Well, it happened to me. Yeah, it yeah. To me. Tell tell that story if you uh, can share. Yeah, I was with the New Jersey Nets. I, I broke my hand. Uh, before I broke my hand, we were playing very, very well. You know, I got traded there, and when I got traded there, I just blended in with the guys, and the team decided to just take off, and we were winning basketball games in playoff contention. I broke my hand on Reggie Miller's elbow, and then about six weeks later, I was in the gym working out, expecting to come back. Willis Reed walks over to me. He was says, GM at the he time? He was GM at the time. He walks over to me and says, hey, you know you're not coming back, right? <laughs> and then I was like, what, what do you mean? I'm not coming back. He's like, no, we, we want the draft pick. Lottery balls. Which turned out to be Kerry Kittles, the yeah. seventh pick in the draft. And that year they were going to take Kobe Bryant, right? That's, that, that's, that's another story <laughs> that I will tell on Storytime with Kendall Gill <laughs> next time. Yes, they were going to take Kobe Bryant, but they got coerced into not taking him. Yeah, Kobe Bryant could have spent his career, at least the beginning of it, as a New Jersey Jersey Nets. My point is we're going to get to February. If they're winning too many games, 
either Nico or Robin Lopez, one of those guys will not be on this team after the trade deadline. Maybe both. Or maybe both. So what's, what's your guys' opinion? If it were me, if Houston comes calling, needs another shooter off the bench, offers you a first-round pick, which is going to be late, 28 to 30, would you trade Nico for a late first-round pick? I would. Because I think they have a log jam at that spot. And although I think Nico has really shown a lot of growth in this small sample size this year, I, I just think that it, it, you don't want to really pin your future on him sustaining that. Are, you, are we assuming that Nico's playing, not where he is right now, but close to the level he's playing at right now? At January 15th? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think he will be. I think he will be playing at a pretty high level because I think he's so much more confident right now that that's going to carry him to places that yeah. we didn't think was possible. Yeah, I agree. But I think with the logjam at the power forward spot, I think that if they find an opportunity to cash him in for a late first-round pick, I think they will do it. I would do the same, Mark. Uh, you know, unfortunately, because I actually love the way that Nico is playing right now. But looking to the future, Markinen is going to be my starting power yep. forward. Um, Bobby is playing well. Uh, so you really got to have a log jam at that position. And if I can get a first rounder out of it, I may just do that too. I do the same. I, yeah. I trade. As, as reluctant as I'd be, because, you know, certainly what Nico's brought this team and how well he's played. I don't see him on this team two years from now as part of the, the core, the three alphas. And there's, there's a log jam up front. And if you draft Bagley or Aiton, it's even less of a role that Nico has. Um, yeah, I'd say if, if you're getting a first-round pick, if Houston comes calling, you make that deal. Yeah, you can never get too infatuated with small sample sizes. Right. We've seen Nico for the past three years. I do think that he's made a, a substantial jump in terms of his confidence level and his overall game. But the point is, as Kendall mentioned, Lowry Markin is going to be the starter at power forward for the foreseeable future. You don't want to pay Nico Miritich $13 million to come off the bench. And I think, as, as Bulldog also mentioned, if the Bulls are winning games at too high of a clip, John Paxson and the front office have to think, we have to do whatever we can to ensure that we get a high pick in this draft. You can't go in there with uh, you know, the eighth worst record and hope you're going to jump up to the top three in the lottery. It just doesn't no. happen that often. No, you could fall back to nine or ten with that. Right. Well, we want to wish everyone out there Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays. Thank you so much for listening to our Bulls Talk podcast throughout the year. We're looking forward to an exciting 2018. Zach Levine should be returning sometime in early January, and I think that'll make this Bulls team even more fun to watch. We hope you continue to follow Kendall and I and Will Perdue and occasionally Stacey King and Horace Grant on Bulls pre- and post-game live. So again, happy holidays. Thanks for listening to the Bulls Talk Podcast.